Welcome to Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Kate Thompson. And me, Mark David Christensen. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and we're continuing into some more stories with Hellboy. Um, this is actually a story that comes from 1992, so we're jumping back in time with our, our half-demon hero. We'll be talking about the ghoul very shortly, but before we get to that storyline for this week's episode, uh, we got some segments to get out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This segment I'm going to call One Hell of an Adaptation. Yeah. And what that means is it's a reference to just, um, I think that Hellboy has found itself to be um, a difficult thing to adapt. Now, we have yet to see the animated uh, features as of yet. Yeah. Um, we did see a short. They did pretty great with that. Yeah, the fan-made was, short was cool, I thought. But the adaptation, I think, into a bigger scale Hellboy has hit, has achieved some degree, but it's also very difficult and tricky to sort of capture the exactly the same essence. Yeah. But with that said, um, for this segment, I just want to hit on the, the, the rumors that had been going around for a while after the movie had finished its theatrical run about it possibly being um, a TV show, which a lot of people got excited for. Then Mignola pretty much immediately on Twitter was like, nah, not going to happen. Mm. Just no. But this is what he did have to say in interview. He said, I think so. Meaning about um, would help a function as a TV show or the world be good in a TV show. Yeah. He says, I think so. It's been discussed. It hasn't been discussed recently, but I would obviously love that. At this point, there's 25 years worth of Hellboy material, and we've barely scratched the surface in terms of any of it being filmed. Also, I think I've laid the groundwork for a whole world, and I do it all in, and I do it all the time of new stories set in that Hellboy universe. I would love an outlet for all that material. I don't know. Thank God these deci- these decisions are never up to me, and I never pursue these things. I wait for someone to come to me and say, we want to do this, but I would love to have that conversation. Cool. I mean, it sounds like he's open to it. Yeah, I think like it's Like if they had like cool. HBO money or something like that, and they could do like, you know, just put money towards this thing and make it good. That would yeah, be so cool. I agree. I think it would be cool. I think at this point, if I had to go in and pitch and try to get this material on the on the small screen, yeah, um, maybe you have a different pitch. But I was thinking about it in like a, in a way of how would I approach it? Yeah, I think I would. I would think it would. I would put Hellboy to rest for a couple of like, for like at least f- first or second season, and have it be a BPRD series. Introduce maybe our lead characters, then, then introduce Hellboy and bl- bring him in. Because we just had so much, we've literally had two movies that, and then it went to, it sort of like was gone for like a 10 years almost. Yeah, yeah. Then, and then, or more, and then it went to a movie that in a sense, in a larger scope failed. Yeah, I don't hate that. I don't have like the perfect pitch of like how you get in, but like maybe you do start just with that like with our, even if it's like early BPRD maybe yeah. or even with like this team up that we've been really been with for the last storylines we've been it makes me think of like like because Gotham's doing well right and like uh, <laughs> well in the sense of like TV TV people love it yeah I think I don't know what comic book people think of it because it's like a full-on retelling yeah yeah 
I guess that's uh, like, I think that could work. Like there's so many, they're like branching out into so many things like that now and like lesser known heroes and stuff on Netflix and everything. I don't know. I think that would work. It would be like a, a, a real, a good version of bright. Remember that? Is that, oh yeah, is Brett it, is so bad. Shitty fucking movie. Yeah, it's very shitty by the um, <laughs> shitty guy that wrote it. Yeah, the, the piece of garbage guy. The Landis, that, yeah, fuck him. But yeah, Max Landis. Yeah, yeah that's it. He's right? a garbage human. Yeah, he's a real piece of shit. His dad <laughs> made good movies. Um, yeah. Anyway, there's. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think like you could have one where it's like cool paranormal investigators. That would be the shit. I agree. And I think like first season of the X-Files or something. Yeah. Even if it starts, I mean, I don't know how you take care of the backstory of Hellboy. If you want to deal with that, if you introduce PPRD, even with the plague of frogs, but it just feels like that's the perfect in for TV. Cause the, like, like our prior guests, Justin Michael, and maybe another guest of our have point guests of our have pointed out and possibly listeners in their emails have pointed out it's very procedural. It's almost built. Yeah. Procedural. And I, I, I hate the word procedural because it doesn't feel like to me bad procedural in the sense of like uh, your case of the week almost. Yeah. It brand, I think it's a little dent, more dense and oh, yeah. has more depth than just the case of the week stuff. Yeah. Like especially with Abe's background that we dealt with in the dead and so forth. I mean, it's like X, X-Files is an amazing show and it's like technically a procedural. Especially yeah, exactly. in the beginning. It's like. Or even, I feel like I could argue, like, the first season of Buffy, like, she's doing a totally different thing each week, but there's, like, this overarching season villain, like, season-long yes. villain. Like, I think you could totally do that with Hellboy, translate it like that. I think that totally is doable. Yeah. And it might need to be where it lives. But I just think it'd be fun to introduce, like, the BPRD, then let Hellboy be a bigger thing that we get to. Like, build up to it. Yeah, build up to it. Like, you see his tale of this yeah, finale of season one or something. There's something fascinating to me of starting the story after he's left. Yeah. Like if we, you know what I mean? So it's like, you have those fun moments that we've had with them, like missing him. Yeah. And Rogers brought him up. If you could put that and adapt that, it'd be like a little, very cool. I think. Would you do flashbacks? Like how they do in like where they show like Liz as a kid first coming into the BPRD and hell, but like, would you have still like Hellboy's not there, but he's like in the show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. It's yeah. like where you always like, you know, you're hinting at this figure that everybody is missing, but you maybe because you could even shoot that scene in a sense, pulling directly from the comic where Liz or Hellboy came in and gives her the lollipop. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think what that storyline is from the, the the comics is it's on the tip of my is tongue is that the one where she goes to the she gets um, captured to the monks yeah so it's the hollow earth yes yeah, thank yeah, you for yeah. leading me to that uh, <laughs> i i have a hard time it's retaining teamwork man i had of, no like, i forgot it too uh but i think it'd be cool to do you shoot that and i could see in my head i would shoot it in a way where i'd never show hellboy yeah you could always hint at his presence whether that's through shadow a little bit or like little like teases of, you know what I mean? Like his hand. His reflection in the two-way glass or something. Stuff like, like that, yeah. Two, one, but you're like never really fully casting him yet. That's to me seems like a cool way to go and let, and then have his return be a big thing. Especially because we've, we, a full reboot right now just feels too soon. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's not going <laughs> to happen. not This show won't happen for like five I guess you, years See, the thing more. is, if you pitch me the show where he's not necessarily a, count, a 
a full character yet. Yeah. And it's about this team. Like, I think you could watch and walk into Netflix or somewhere like that and pitch a show that's stars your female lead list. Yeah. You got uh, an Asian man lead with Ben. Yeah. You or he can come in. What you could have him already if you want. But yeah. or then you have a yo or ha- a ghost him, like mid-season. a ghost lead that's diverse. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a fish man, and then Kate. I think yeah. you have a. I think you have a series. At least you have a good solid first two seasons in this. The, those totally. characters, even without Hellboy at all. Yeah. And that's how I think you approach the TV. Let's, at this point. I mean, let's proceed with developing it. Let's go ahead. <laughs> no, I I'm wish we pick could. This up. Uh, <laughs> but here's the tricky thing as we were talking about this. And I want to hear your thoughts on this, Kate. Because yeah. here's the thing is what you brought up Batman. And I think Batman, we're about to have a fucking a new Batman with Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Which I'm fine with. I like Robert Pattinson, especially I like his, his career post uh, Twilight. I think he's been killing it. Yeah. Especially with if you haven't seen Good Time, I think it's phenomenal and he's phenomenal in it and i watched another movie something called the rover uh movie called the rover i don't know if it's a perfect movie but i thought of great performances by a lot of the people it was pretty great cool that being said aside from robert pattinson and him new but they keep retelling the same story right and then they they sort of because that because that's what they did with the comic books and we sort of know like Marvel sort of can has had times where they've reconned stuff or they've retold the stories. Yeah. DC constantly fucking does it. Yeah. Apparently like they reborn and new 52. It's like retellings of their all. They just keep retelling them. Right. Yeah. Rather than, uh, and I want to recorrect myself. I think it's more like Marvel that tends to be like, eh, we'll just recon it and then we'll make another universe to tell it again. Yeah. And then we'll have them collide so we can recon it. Yeah. They just, Constantly just build versus DC sort of recreate. Wiping the slate clean a little bit. Yeah. At least people can correct me on that because I'm not very caught up currently on DC. Um, Very behind. There's even stuff I'm curious about. Just haven't read it yet. Mr. Miracle. Really want to read Mr. Miracle. Haven't taken the time. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, But that being said, they keep retelling. And I think that because the books, it's knowledgeable in the graphic novels and the comic books. They, they can sort of have that leeway of retelling the same story. Yeah. So when you get constantly retelling, so when you see a new Batman, it doesn't really, it doesn't throw us. Does that make sense? Like we don't yeah. get thrown so much by like, oh, they went with a little, they told the story a little bit this way or they tweaked it a little bit. And we were like, oh, that's fine. That's why I think Gotham, regardless if you're like, well, this is silly as shit and what a weird way to tell Batman's story. Yeah. It's sort of like, well, we have all the we have the the, the ability to do that with these char- this character. As far as like, it's fine. Like the, all of these other versions of it exist. So people yeah. will be like, yeah. and at this point, it's like, not what superhero is your favorite, but what version of this superhero is your favorite? At least with Batman. Yeah. You're right. Exactly. Like I see so many things that are like, pick your best Joker, like happy reactions for this version of the Joker, sad reaction for this version of the Joker. You know what I mean? Like people get like, that's like part of being a fan of Batman at this point is like arguing who did it best. Yeah. There's a great comic book by uh, the, have you ever read planetary? Mm -mm. Great wild storm book. Um, I could be wrong if it's, if it's Garth Ennis, that's what I'm guessing right at the top of my head. Garth Ennis wrote it. It's a great book. They do it. You should read the whole series, but then he did like a one-off um, where the planetary Warren Ellis, Warren Ellis. Thank you. I knew it was an Ella. Googled it, and not Ennis Ellis. Warren Ellis. Thank you for correcting me, so we don't have to get an email about that. <laughs> but 
Uh, just because sometimes my brain just pops in names. Yeah, man. And I have Garth Ennis on the brain because his boys hit the Amazon, all that book. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that being said, that book has like a cool series that you should, or a one-off that you should check out where it's just them dealing with all the Batmans and they go through like, they slide through all the eras of Batman. That's and They fun. meet like the one where he shortly used a gun and stuff from the Gravity oh, yeah. It's very fun. But why bring that up? That's and, cool. And, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. Planetary is a great read, hands down, period. I own it. I own Check the Omnibus because I think it's a brilliant read. But why I bring that up is I do think Hellboy is, doesn't fall into that. And I think that's why I named the segment One Hell of an Adaptation is because I think you it's closer to a novel where I think you can't really deviate too far. You can't, you can, you can retell it in different visual ways and how you're going to tell, like maybe where you place it. Yeah. But it's, you gotta, I, I want somebody to be bold enough to adapt it. It needs to be adapted truly to the format of, I think they keep being too precious with material in some degree. If that makes sense, as far as like his parents and like like what do you th- like what do you mean? Uh, I think one of the faults in the last movie was they were tramming too much of it. Yeah, and then also like not oh of take- Hellboy of Hellboy yeah of Hellboy. Sorry, sorry, I moved on to Hellboy. I apologize, but with like Hellboy, I think he's closer to what you when you adapt a novel. It's like well, I have to keep things sort of in in place, but then things can move, but not, yeah, like they need. There might be a thing where you're like, oh, I can combine two characters. Like, I could see somebody adapting it and being like, you know, like like Guillermo sort of did. Because later on, Hellboy's going to have like a, a romantic relationship prior to even the movies. But how he sort of made Liz that. Uh, like, sort of like a, a, a romantic yeah. interest. Yeah. But I could see Sony adapted being like, you know, there's too many people on the playing field. Let me combine Liz and Kate. Yeah. You know what I mean? And make one solid sort of steal from both and make that. That's how I think an adaptation. Just for simplicity's sake for like a screen version or something. Yeah. But you sort of like, you don't get the leeway as much with Batman where it's like, hey, we want want to like say that the villains were around for Gotham is the only example I have in my head right now. Yeah. Like we can put the villains be around when Bruce Wayne's a child. And you're like, well, that makes context sense. sense, But okay, in your version it does. I think if you took that big of a leap, it sort of starts to muddy the, muddy the, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I'm being I maybe right. I'm maybe Honestly, being a little think, more too precious. Uh, well, I think the preciousness probably stems from there being a single creator and and write uh, and excuse me, illustrator for most of the run. Yeah. Like ye, like there so many people have contributed to what Batman is at this point. It's like it's it is kind of like okay, well that that's like that's how Batman works. So there's just different people who work on Batman and this version of Batman I love and that like People like reference more like the individual runs of comics. Like they'll be like, "Oh, Hush is my favorite," or or like, you know, just like the like they'll yes. reference the specific runs or storylines or something. Like, "Oh, Long Halloween's my favorite," or something like that. As opposed to like, as opposed to like, I I guess some people are like Batman overall is my favorite character, but like. I feel like if you say that, then you probably have a favorite version of Batman. 100%. You probably know the director who directed your favorite Batman. You know the actor who played your favorite Joker. And you like, like there's like more, there's more wiggle room because so many people have contributed to this like Batman, to what Batman is as a whole, as opposed to like one man making 
like pretty much one man, like a team of like five fucking people basically making this one character and it kind of always going through Mignola and being this like, yeah, like this is this is what I wanted. Like I made this comic because I felt like it. Like, yeah, it's exactly. like purely his like a pretty much a work that comes from just him. So it's like. It feels like there's less of that, although I mean, with all of these versions now, you know, it kind of just will grow and people will but like people pick their favorites of the movies and stuff like that. For sure. Um, and some people are, I mean, are, don't even introduce to the comics at all. They just know the movies. Right. They only know the movies. Yeah. But I mean, and people t- pick their storylines like, like, oh, I love the Wild Hunt. It's my favorite. But I yeah. do think even when we eventually get to Duncan, it's like, it's like, you know, he personally chose this guy. Like he didn't, he yeah. trusted him. It's not just an editor really nearly like, let's try. They got their like, their, yeah, it's not their like wiggle room out in DPRD. DC wasn't uh, at the time, like picked the new person to do it. It's like, yeah, the creator is still pretty much in charge of this thing. For sure. Yeah, it's very fascinating. I don't. It just had me thinking about all of that because yeah. I'm like, I bet it'll come to that. Like you know, with like if the new movie did anything, it was at least add to the different version. Like if you're, it's mm-hmm. just creating another version of it so that people will be more accepting of like, okay, so that's this person's vision of it. That's this person's vision of it. Like, let's see what a new person would do to it. Like, adapt it in whatever way they want. Yeah, and I think that tra- that that. Um, segues us into the last thing for this segment is as much as I don't and much as you've heard me rant about the first Hellboy and we'll eventually get to the Golden Army and get other rants out of that but (laughs) (laughs) I do sort of wish that Guillermo sort of been would have been able to complete his trilogy that he had in mind yeah just to solidify it so that when so that we could move on past it because it almost yeah. is sitting there incomplete. So everybody's going like, yeah, that's what everybody's response was when they saw the trailer for the new one is like, when is Ron Perlman going to like, are they going to do that one? And you know, like just never, just never. It feels like it kind of has these like loose ends that you never get to really tie up. Yeah. And there's, that's what I was bringing up right now is that they, um, there's been talk about actually Guillermo del Toro, um, I think Screen Rants interviewed Mignola about this to confirm it. Guillermo approached Mignola to be like, can I do my my third Hellboy as a graphic novel? He was oh. trying to get he was trying to get like, oh, like an okay like by permission. It. When did he is, when did he ask him about I that? I don't recently? know exactly. I don't know the date. I just oh. know that it, that conversation had occurred. This was Mignola's response to that. And this is him in the interview as well. He says, I think Del Toro mentioned it to me once. And I said, no. Yeah. Mignola said, I think I let the comics, I think let the comics be the comics. Comics are, comics are confusing enough for people. Let's not have two, two different versions of Hellboy comic out there. My vote would be to say no. Okay. That's his, what he said. And some people, I think, will respond to that in a way of like, oh, how dare he? You know what I mean? This great visionary director doing, let him do his thing. But then I'm also like, I'm more on the defense of Mignola. I mean, he created the whole (laughs) thing for, you know, it like he deserves to have a say in what happens to it. Yeah. And why can't it just. That's kind of a good point. (laughs) I think it's a great point. (laughs) Why not just let it be? And I think what you've already, what you pointed out earlier is like, I don't think he wants, I mean, I don't have record him saying this. I've listened to interviews recently and I think he sort of points this out of like, 
uh, without me having a proper quote ready to go, he does sort of point out the like the craziness that that DC and Marvel can get where you don't yeah. even know where the fuck you are. Yeah. He sort of has a goal of being able it gets to It's very confusing. That's why these shits restart all the time. Cause you, people are like, Ugh, I, I don't even, what are we on number 283? I, I don't know where to start. Start me at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, God, uh, fantastic four. There's a whole run where the human torch is married to crystal and then crystals revealed to be a scroll. Amazing. <laughs> like what the fuck are we even doing? Right. And I think he pointed that out just to say, like, I didn't want my book to be that. He didn't yeah. want it to get to a scale or get to a place where it's just so much is that. Yeah. That it's that confusion. Yeah. Of like, what? How does this fit into this? And I think that's why they have stuck him and his editors, Scott Alley being the, the, the definitive editor, keeping it on track to just being one full story that this character and these other characters characters live through. That's commendable because I'm sure it would have gotten him more money. Like, oh, 100%. Sure, he could have just said yes and banked it. Cashed in. And I, I'm, I, you know, good for you, Guillermo, though, wanting to tell your story. I have to. Sure. Have, but I don't think graphic novels are your medium. Yeah. In the end, it's like I have a couple of graphic novels. He'll be novels. able to tell his own stories with movies yeah. forever. Like he's won an Oscar. So it's like you're he's set. He's golden. Yeah. And and I, I was going to say, like, I have two graphic novels that are based on Darren Aronofsky movies, The mm. Fountain and um, Noah. I like them both, but I prefer, I would rather watch the movie just because yeah. that's where he, his, he's going to shine. Yeah. The most. Yeah. In his storytelling. But I just, yeah, I don't know. I think it would confuse people. People be like, oh, there's this, this, what does it have to do? You just have to have that conversation with them. And I know it's a simple conversation, but it's an annoying one of like, where does this this one oh it has nothing to do with yeah. this bigger universe that yeah. I've cre- taken my twenty five plus years creating yeah <laughs> you know like it muddy it muddies it for sure but again I do wish Guillermo would have gotten the chance to complete it so that we could have and even in a new one not sort of I almost feel like they knew that subconsciously while making it. And that's why they were throwing so many storylines in almost it was like, we got to please them and get it away from Guillermo's. And they just did it in the worst possible way of trying to let yeah. it stand alone. Yeah. We, we've, we've gone on on that rant. We haven't watched it yet since it's released and we'll one day return to it. <laughs> I'm sure we will. Yeah. But that's, that's my rant about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on that? Kate? I, I agree. I like, <laughs> yeah. Ditto. Ditto. <laughs> All right. Before we get to the ghoul, the ghoul, I the said ghoul, <laughs> the ghoul, uh, I we got Vincent Price. The ghoul. Uh, Great. I would love to see uh, Hellboy meet Vincent Price. <laughs> I think we just got our right hand of draw prompt. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> uh, great. So let's, we have one more segment before um, we get to the, the book itself this week. We got a little segment. You know, we love it. Oh boy. Email. <laughs> uh, this one is titled zombies. It comes from Richard Pittaway, professor Pittaway. He says, Dear Hellcasters, another day in the office is a delightful story, and I also love the blaze way they deal with the situation. But it reminded me of a, of a lot of great zombie movies and games that I had to share. Great. Here we go. Firstly, because I'm a big nerd, I have to plug The Serpent and the Rainbow. It started as a book by an anthropologist who went to 
Haiti to research zombie making and voodoo practices. It was made into a delightful movie in 1988 starring Bill Pullman. It explores the real, the very real world of voodoo zombies, exploring the culture and medical factors that contribute to the practice. Cool. I have heard of this movie, never seen it. It looks like it's wild and fun in that like psychedelic horror kind of yeah, way. 88. If, if yeah. you have a late 80s horror movie recommendation, I love it. I'm, and do you have it up? Because I think it, it's either Carpenter or Clive. Uh, it's one of those, those like the old like horror. Wes Craven. <laughs> that was directed. wrong. Well, a famous Clive horror Parker, director. But yeah, Wes Craven was... He's the three. Those are probably the three. Those are the big heavy hitters. Great. And then he continues, I have a very dear friend who loves terrible horror films, and I'd be remiss if I didn't plug Flight of the Living Dead for him. Flight of the Living (laughs) Dead. Yeah, Flight of the Living Dead. He says, it is exactly what it sounds like. Zombies on a plane. It is terrible, but if you like that sort of bad B movie, (laughs) there is also zombie strippers. Have you seen? I've seen Zombie Strippers. <laughs> it has a super famous porn star in it. Um, of course it does. Oh my god! I, her name is eluding me. I can't. I don't know all the porn stars. Um, it's like Jenna Jameson. That's Jenna it. Jameson. There's Jenna Jameson okay. in it. Um, she's like the. She's like for like I feel like five years. It was like yeah. I, if I think, there were any famous strippers, it was her. Basically, yeah. I, I as soon as you said the name, I knew who. Yeah, talking, who it is. Um, but that's cool. Have you seen Flight of the Living Dead? I have not, but I'm adding it to lists right now. <laughs> Great. See. She's going to watch it. Flight of the Living Dead. Uh, cool. 07. Wow. A genetically engineered virus turns passengers in a 747 into ravenous zombies. Sweet. Oh, baby. I'm on. I mean, I'm I did on. love the, um, the flight scene in, uh, World War Z. I thought that was done pretty well. I don't remember the flight part. It's very what brief. Happens? It's like it's just pretty much they get on a plane, the virus gets out, there's zombies on the plane, and it crashes. Yeah. It's not like the highlight of that movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't it's remember not- too much from the movie. I just remember the like churning kind of like stream of zombies. Yeah, that makes no sense. They're they, like they climb ants like ants or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember they filmed the beginning in Philadelphia. And also zombies that don't feed, but they have high energy. Yeah. And to me, biologically, I'm like, but what? Energy, we need food to keep up our energy. Yeah. So slow zombies, I feel like, are the most that in the real world make sense. Totally. Whatever. Rigor mortis, <laughs> dude. That shit sets in fast. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now that I've washed that off, I simply must plug two board games. The first is Zombies! Three exclamation points. There are about 16 expansions to this game, which gives you an idea of its pro- popularity. You play as semi-cooperative survivors trying to get to a helicopter to escape a zombie apocalypse. I say semi-cooperative because ultimately you win or lose alone, and while other players can be useful, they can be obstacles as well. It is zombie fun in the best possible way, and the expansions add things like the city zoo, the university, and a whole slew of other environments. That's very fun. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I feel like I have, like, Clay Larson, I feel like, has played that or has. We've previously had it looks on. cool. I like the box art, just like a zombie. That is very one. good box art, very good. Yeah, also, I want to plug Zombicide, which was designed by the same guy behind Hellboy the board game. Cool, oh, cool. This one is purely cooperative and will remind you a lot of Hellboy pl- gameplay. 
But without the known characters, <laughs> I said that wrong, but but without, you know, the known characters from Hellboy. Sure. Uh, while we are here, there's also a, a game like this called The Others, Seven Deadly Sins, which plays similarly, but with Cthulhu-esque villains representing the seven deadly sins. Ooh, that sounds fun and cool. Yeah. Just like the idea. Did you, you, I mean, I probably mentioned this book before already, but did you ever read um, the Rick Remender's X-Force um, you did mention it, but I haven't read it now. He has they because oh, Apocalypse ends up being a player in that, of course, and then he always brings about his four horsemen, and the four horsemen in that are fucking terrifying. <laughs> That's all I gotta say for that. Cool. Uh, that made me think of this. So he says, "Sorry, I don't have a long treatise on the history of zombies and their cultural significance through history, but I just haven't done the research that would take that would take to be a real expert." Hey, we're fine with that. Professor. Apology accepted. Yeah. We never, we never said you're the professor of everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Professors have, they have specific areas of study. Exactly. So you're good. So I'll just plug the serpent to the rainbow again and let you guys do the research if you want. Sweet. We definitely will. Plowing along on the miniature painting front, I did finish Johan's target priority bust, and I'm working on his model. I tried a new technique called stippling to make Johan's head sort of swirly and cloudy with blue and white vapors. Awesome. It is much harder to achieve on the smaller head of this character's model. I'll have you know. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like awesome and also difficult. Yeah. I'll post pictures to the Instagram as I finish each model. You forced me to get an Instagram for the for the giveaway, so I'll just have to find a way to fill Sorry. it. Sorry. I guess. We <laughs> apologize, but yeah, that's where we live until, <laughs> until that new social media fad comes through. Yeah. But that's awesome. Um, I hope we follow you. If we don't, ping us so we do. Yeah. Because um, anything you post, especially these figures, I definitely want to see them, Professor. And he closes out with, love to you and yours, Professor Pitaway. P.S. Bring back the Stark Raving Mad podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That's Have, has says. he listened to Stark Raving Mad? I don't Mad? know, but he's saying bring it back. Dude. He says, start with a rewatch and move to the new episodes. You already have a listener. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Andrew Stanton, who was a guest on the show, was on it. And um, Luke Field would sometimes be on it. And Jessica was on it. Uh, it's a, it was very fun. Sounds like you could start it it's up not again. My, I, didn't, I wasn't the creator of it, so I would feel bad being like literally calling it that, but... I mean, I do love Game of Thrones and I would still talk about it <laughs> there you go. at length. <laughs> Sounds like you got uh, something to need to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have one more email um, before we get to the ghoul. Um, this is titled Say My Name and the Occult History and Literary Tropes of Hellboy. This comes from Ian Winder. So um, he says, and he's emailed us before and he's yeah. also... He's, uh, we gave him a big boom review. He, he did a boom review, so we gave him a shout out there. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for reading my email on the show. Of course, Ian, we love these emails. Sorry for any broken English that I was that was in the previous email. I listen to you guys while I'm at work cleaning buildings at my university, and I was hurrying through typing the email during my little 20-minute break. Oh, thanks for emailing us on your break. Yeah, thank you. And Breaks also, are precious when you work at a very job. Like, precious. So I really appreciate you doing that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm being so sincere. Oh, no, like, yeah. You know? I agree with Kate 100%. Yeah. And also, don't worry about your broken English. 
have you heard me talk? <laughs> hey, we're uh, English is our first language and we feck it up on a regular basis. I think you said feck it up. I think I did. So that perfectly illustrates my point. <laughs> <laughs> on my name, the first name is pronounced like a normal Ian. Okay. Great. Because I, I was very worried about it, pronouncing yeah. it incorrectly. Ian name. The spelling is closer to the original uh, Gale- Gale- Gaelic. 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 Thank yeah. you. Gaelic version. Thanks, stoner 80s mom. <laughs> <laughs> While my last name is German, pronounce wide near. So it's sort of like wide N-E-R. Cool. Wide near. I can't s- send an audio link through my email because I said, please send it. If you guys can't <laughs> if you can pronounce anything wrong, you can always like on send us. like dictionary.com. <laughs> yeah. Like just send the correction. Yeah. That'd be so funny. <laughs> Uh, we always just have the dictionary.com ready to go. <laughs> should have. It should just be my new podcast where I just go, can Dave just pronounce like- it? <laughs> God damn it. We did get an email a long time ago. Remember that? Of like words that like, oh, it was difficult a great email. to pronounce words. I forget who sent it. But I it forget was really who did, nice. but it was a great email. It was really good. It was a great one. Sorry. My name is another reason why I decided not being, not to being a teacher aside from him. Can't. You know, aside from him not liking kids, he said, <laughs> can't get no respect with the little shits calling you Mr. Wiener. Yeah, <laughs> makes doomed. total sense. He says a big thanks to the other email on Nazis from Professor Pitaway. It was great to hear the parts I left out by accident filled in and the details I muddied or muddled clear cleared up. I thought they were compa- great companions. Those two emails yeah. about the Nazis. That's the great part of a community. You get to see the clearer picture. Totally. Yeah, exactly. When you guys get more into Witchfinder and the future BPRD, my history slash political muscles will get stretched out and used more. Sweet. But for now, my basic folklore and literary knowledge will have to do. Hey, we'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. We're pretty, <laughs> you call yours basic, ours is yeah. then the bottom of the fucking basic right. barrel. Sub-basic. <laughs> Sub-basic. Uh, the thing I found while catching up on unplayed stories and re-listening to the favorite older episodes or episodes as I get the books in person is that Mignola is a master author and it's because of a detail I love so much and want to use in future stories I write. Great. You know, they say the best you steal from the best. Yeah. Hellboy is a wonderfully beautiful thing that has its own universe of aliens, elder gods, demons, mad scientists, fishmen, and witches in every corner of every story. All of these things are familiar due to his masterful use of tropes. Throughout every story has some form of a literary trope and moral lesson, some of which are shining through the entirety of the experience, such as the troll witch, Mm or more nuanced like in the three witches. The three Wishes. There are broken down elements of familiar stories from Frankenstein's monster to the Little Mermaid to even folklore characters like Baba Yaga, King Vold, and Anissa the Spider, and so many more. All of these in some way have some familiar elements recreating its own folklore. Any that you don't know takes you a dive into books or Google and expands your knowledge, which leads into another great tenant of Hellboy. Yeah, I can't. I I agree 100% with you. I think Kate does too. Totally. The simplicity of occult and esoteric knowledge is so much more complicated, yes, yet simpler than Dungeons and Dragons are the devil or Harry Potter worships Satan, which is like probably just like what people immediately think. Yeah. It's very funny because I think that was like a thing growing up in the 80s and they had like the Satan worship like scare Dungeons and Dragons definitely had yeah, that. Yeah, people thought like metal albums were making kids like kill themselves. Or <laughs> yeah, it's like those guys have probably the biggest like 
are so self-aware and they have a sense of humor of yeah. it. I remember I had a friend who t- was convinced that ACDC like um, worship the devil. And I was like, no, it's just awesome. rock music. <laughs> like, I think it's good. What do they have like horns on one of their album covers? Yeah. And it's like, it's just like reeks of his mom saying that and then him repeating it and being like, oh yeah, I guess not. And he's like, no, listen to the lyrics. Even Ozzy Osbourne's like, I'm a normal guy. <laughs> yeah. And then they have like in Utah, they, in one of their concerts, one or two people died by being like stomped on yeah. and they cried about it. And I think that was the thing that yeah, convinced them they a, were humans. That's nightmarish. It's <laughs> yeah. terrible. You don't want to wish that upon anybody. So, yeah. Crazy. But it's that's what he's talking about. Yeah. We jump to big conclusions a lot of times. <laughs> it's a secret history and hidden knowledge to a world that you both have to dig deeper for. And it is right there at the surface, begging for you to scratch at and expose. There are underlying uses of demonology with dukes and earls of hell and secret Lovecraftian languages and a shadow occult organizations trying to shape the events of human events. Even while it is so lofty and crazy, the characters are so human. 100%. Yeah. If it was all that craziness and no, like, that grounding Nothing to connect us, to. It'd be hard. Yeah. Hellboy is the most relatable and grounded blue-collar human character in recent history, which is even more impressive and fantastic coming the coming the bombastic bombasticality radical 90s dude. <laughs> they coming from a bombastic radical 90s dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh meaning Mignola. Totally. Along with him is a cast of characters on a day-to-day basis kicking ass and stopping the apocalypse because it's their job and that's what they do. There's no hero's destiny, though Hellboy has a destiny far more sinister, or they have to protect their families. They do it because what else would they do? And that is such a fantastic thing. Yeah. That is something very interesting of like, it's their job and they believe in their job. Taking care of the world. Yeah. In a sense, like like the highest calling. Yeah. We might've joked, but they're, they're like the lower level janitors of, or do you know what I mean? None of, none of the, they're not celebrated. They don't get parades yeah. after they yeah. beat one of these monsters. <laughs> They're like super unsung heroes. Very unsung. Yeah. A great word to use. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it is so hard to adapt Hellboy. Whether it's just a simple novel or a summer lackluster, I mean, blockbuster, shit. <laughs> because it's so nice. large. Yeah, he got it in there. He nice. burned them. <laughs> Because it is so large of of a universe built on a foundation of so many sources. To make a good adaptation, you have to take some stuff away and add some of your own. And that's why every movie feels like some uncanny valley bastard child of a film. It's taking an element that is important to a specific story. It's my opinion that that some who is a genre director like Kubrick, who could probably understand the atmosphere in the balancing act weight and levity with the moods and the scenery. Mm. Then the story can be elevated in a similar manner that the art can so that the wilder elements can still fit in and work. But what do I know? I'm just a fan. (laughs) Thank you guys again for such a wonderful podcast. I love you guys. I love you. Yeah. Thank you. Ian. (laughs) But like, I mean, it's last thoughts like there. I do think, I don't think it's incapable of being adapted. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I think Guillermo got close and then he sort of just, he, it became his own. And there, there are yeah. many interviews now with Mignol saying like that 
It's it's its own thing. Yeah. And then I think in the new movie, they tried to bring it back and start something else and get away from it. And they did their own missteps for their own version. But I do think there is a a version out there. And as we've already discussed, it possibly is through the medium of TV of not you're never going to get. And I never want the comics to just be like splattered on and like on screen and been like, great. It's just the comic I can read. Yeah. But I do think there's somebody that will better understand the tone and. Yeah. The mood that he, and the atmosphere, I think atmosphere is really what's missing from most of them. Yeah. The atmosphere that, that totally. uh, Mignola has created. Yeah. Like it's not, it's, it's not smoke on the water. It, it, you know, <laughs> it's not that <laughs> it's not like, it's just not like, it's not like this. Cre- like, I, I think like maybe he feels like rock and rolly to people sometimes, but like, because he smokes cigarettes and like has a gun sometimes or whatever. But I think that's almost speaking badly of anybody that likes those things, period. Because you're just thinking, you're just throwing them into a chunk of like, well, you like that? Then you're going to like fucking a demon that fights yeah, things. Yeah, it's and I'm way like, oversimplified. Uh, it's like, it's way more nuanced than that. It's like, he's way closer to like a private eye from the 40s to me than like, uh, than like an 80s rock and roll guy. Yeah, and he has some badass moments. Yeah. There's going to be plenty more that come up coming up through his storyline that we get to see him be a badass in yeah. that sense. But like, as you said, I don't think it's just you can just throw him into like, well, if you like hard rock, I will right. slap this hard rock on you. You're going <laughs> to like it. It's like, yeah, I think there's people that like hard rock that like Hellboy. There's people that don't like hard rock that love Hellboy. Yeah. It's, it's a very, he's very relatable to many people, yeah. many different readers. Yeah. And it's just throw him in that generic place. It just oversimplifies him. And mm-hmm. I think that's just because probably producers don't know what else to do with him. Cause I don't know. I guess they just don't know shit. <laughs> yeah. The producers don't, they got yeah. in the way of possibly a good Neil Marshall movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, so. Yeah. So, Hey, you know, I don't know. I would love to see the different drafts of the scripts because I read recently too, that Mignola and, um, uh, golden have drafts that they've read they wrote of the newest one that would be and then cool. it went back to Cos uh, Andrew Cosby's. So it's like, mm. God, did you get one of those? Just, just to see like it, what the differences would have been if at all. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I would have liked it more. It's just like you get too many people's hands in it and it's just fucked up. Yeah. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Too many cooks. Too many clearly, damn cooks. Too many cooks, too many storylines. We keep saying it. Yeah. But you know what? It doesn't, Stop us from loving this gra- yeah. this comic book. We love Hellboy. It so still exists. It does. And just a reminder to all you listening, if you want to email us, you can email us at ahcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. And we're going to take a quick break. When yeah. we return, we're going to jump right into the storyline, The Ghoul, or Reflections on Death and the Poetry of Worms. <laughs> Hey, do you like comic books? Do you like brothers? Do you like brothers talking about comic books? You do. Okay, then. Listen to this ad. My name's Will Hines. And I'm Kevin Hines. We are brothers as well as comedians. As well as huge fans of comic books. Like the Fantastic Four, which we are talking about a lot right now in our podcast, which is called... Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. From Campfire Media, available from now until the end of time. (laughs) Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. Welcome back to Ah oh, Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. 
and me, Kate Thompson. <laughs> yes. I love it when my brain does. I'm like thinking for a moment. I, I second guess I'm missing a word out of the intro. And then I'm like, huh? and then and like, I'm good. We're not going to edit that out. But we're going to jump instead of edit, taking the time to edit that out. We're going to jump right into the ghoul yes. or reflections on death in the poetry of worms. Such a such an amazing title. Yeah. So good. Yeah, and it was, okay, so it was written by Mike Mignola and illustrated by him, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley, originally published in the Dark Horse Book of the Dead in June 2005, um, but the story takes place in 1992, and yeah, it's um, it's like a weird one. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. Do we want to? Do we want to jump right in, oh, or do we want to yeah, give yeah. Mignola's? Because I, I think you're right, but he, I think he agrees with your statement. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah what, let's hear what Mike said about in his little like, uh, I guess afterwards they're included in the collections. This is with the library um, edition as well, as well as the uh, trades. He says about the ghoul Mignola. It is almost certainly the oddest Hellboy story I've done. And I'm afraid it's not on too many readers' lists of favorites. That's okay. It was an experiment. It was inspired by that how a king may go a progress through the guts of a beggar bit from Hamlet. As beautiful a summing up of decomposition as I've ever read. Yeah, I've never, I don't think I've ever read Hamlet. I think I might have, I've seen plays of it. If I did leave it in high school, I probably didn't pay that much attention. To be honest, <laughs> it's a fun one. I mean, I was in the play King Lear, and that's like the one I know the most. Sure, and I've probably forgotten a lot about it. <laughs> Outside of like generic or like quotes from Hamlet, I'm yeah. very not. I'm more immersed with Macbeth than I am with Hamlet. Yeah, um, but that's what he says. And he says, "And my love of old cemeteries, I'm indebted to two tombs in particular, and what I saw there: one in Oakland, California, and one in Prague." This story also, I think, owes a little to C.M. Eddy's short story, The Love, The Loved Dead, written in collaboration with H.P. Lovecraft, which made a pretty big impression on me as a kid. Mm. I always knew the ghoul would speak in bits of poetry, but I drew the story first, then went looking for the specific poems to suit the mood of the specific panels. It was tough. Thank you, Internet, and my long-suffering wife. <laughs> uh, but that's what that... Wh- but that's what made it fun to do. I really like this one. And be warned, you readers, I'd love to do something like this again. <laughs> this be is warned. From, uh, the ghoul. I don't know when this his, his actual afterward was published, but yeah, that's what he says. Cool. I like that he goes, I mean, we're going to get into it, but I like that he took a swing into outside of his, what everybody expected. He adds a little bit of like his own personal flair and obsessions yeah. literary for himself. I mean, I feel like he he typically kind of does that, but Already, it, it yeah. makes it more accessible to people. This one is, I mean, he he's not really one to spell something out in general, mm-hmm. but this one really, he makes you like have to think about it. He's, he's really not giving you a straight man in this, I don't think. I 100% agree. Like Hellboy usually is that for us for like the reader i I feel like Mm -hmm. he's kind of experiencing all of this like fantastical shit and being like what the fuck like kind of interpreting it for us but yeah like he kind of just is for whatever reason just kind of 
going along with stuff in this one. Anyway, it's like, yeah, yeah. let's get into it because I think it'll I, better illustrate. It's it. also one of the most like be- like all of his comics are drawn so well, but like this one's really beautiful. Like it's kind of I guess you know 2005 his like style has really become his own at this point. Yes, um, I think he's. I mean, I think it will go for, through further. Yeah, he'll like evolution, but we're like in it. his minimal, truly minimalist. It's we're, like really starting to emerge that yeah. kind of style, and it's just looks really great. It looks really good, and Scott Alley's also or um, uh, Dave Stewart is also oh. like you know just doing his Dave Stewart thing and making the colors really beautiful too. It opens in London, nineteen ninety two. And we are hearing a conversation that takes place in Hamlet, but as of yet, we we're like not you're kind of like not really sure at first. Like, yeah. is this somebody in the apartment doing this? But then it's quickly revealed that it's a uh, a puppet play on television, on like a little television in this apartment. Yeah. Um, and a cool little thing: the uh, Hamlet's father character has a little floating crown that's pretty reminiscent of Hellboys to me. Yeah, I thought that too. He just looks cool. He looks like a grim fandango. Have you ever played that game? Uh-uh. It, like it reminds me of that like that kind of skull, like the style of how like the teeth are and stuff like that. It's little Hamlet and talking to his father, his ghost appears to him and stuff. And they just look really cool and then yeah, revealed that that's on a television, knock at the door. And a woman is stopped from watching TV to talk to someone from the, or to Pauline Raskin from the Finally BBB. got a name from her. Yeah. We've met her before without yeah. a name. Pauline Raskin. And she's just coming to ask this woman about her husband. Uh, he's not home. And, you know, do you know what he was doing at these cemeteries? Yeah. Like, do you know where he is now? She's kind of like, seems to be a little out of it or either out of it or has been ignoring where her husband goes, I guess. Well, she just like assumes she's like, I'm afraid Edward's working late this evening. Yeah. If you'd like to come back another time. And she's like, it's all right, Miss Stokes. I came to see you. So it's almost like, I think it's all, she's coming here. To see, that's her way in. I think. Raskin, yeah. Cause Hellboy's off doing his thing. Yeah. He's going to go find the guy. They're like, yeah. don't worry about him. It's like, we, we kind of want to know a little bit about this. Um, she's she like, seems completely lost. Yeah, she's like, I don't know what he's doing. Is it a picnic? Like, <laughs> no. Well, sort of, sort of. Yeah, we find out. It's sort of, kind is of a picnic. picnic. Yeah, kind of. That'd be funny if that would have been her line. Like, yeah, well, kind of. In a way. Uh, so well, yeah. she does say that. She does say something like that. Yes, something like that. <laughs> something like that. Um, man, are you sure your husband is working tonight? And then her husband is revealed in the cemetery. And he's reciting a poem, which Mignola reveals like the title and author of the poem at the end of yeah. this comic. I didn't recognize it immediately, but it me either. It's you know, it's like um, it it feels to me like whenever Mignola does a villain, and he'll have them do their like crazy soliloquy of like it's just like this really beautiful, ornate kind of like language. Mm-hmm. Like this is just him taking the poem that he liked directly and just plugging it into the villains yeah. or like not villain necessarily, but the sort of the bad the monster, guy. Of this, yeah. yeah. The monster's mouth. And he um, said that he's like, I searched for it and found the one I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's, that's what he's doing. You know, um, talking about the dead, basically, you know, silence, silence reigns and, and night, dark night, you know, 
there lie interred the more illustrious dead. Like it's like, you know, just really morbid poetry yeah. that he's saying but it is beautiful and hellboy lets him know that by saying very pretty mr stokes uh, love as that. he's like revealed up above him in the cemetery now are you gonna come along quiet or do i have to beat the crap out of you <laughs> uh, well, i love that like the poetry just being broken by yeah just his hellboy's callous way of talking yeah he's like <laughs> listen like because you can dress up Whatever, like, I feel like he says that to monsters and slash villains in a lot of ways. He's like, you really dress up your, uh, you know, your reasons for doing things in a, in like beautiful language, or you have these, like, whatever the reasons are to you, you're still doing something that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. So he kind of cuts right to the chase and he's like, I'm going to beat the crap out of you. (laughs) Just to kind of like lay it out and be like, you're, you're fucked up. You fucked up. You done fucked up. You you, you fucked up and you are fucked up. And now I got to do something about it. So yeah, the ghoul drops his uh, briefcase that he was carrying with him and reveals like eating utensils and also like a crowbar and like a bone saw and shit. Yeah. So yeah, you kind of know he was going to have a picnic um, in the cemetery. Uh, Where are you going, Ed? And he's just like running (laughs) off. Um, so yeah, he's taught and then he starts listing like, listen, we know you've been to all of these different cemeteries and you know, you've been doing this for years and years. How old are you, buddy? A hundred, 200 years old. You look great. Must be your diet. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because this is a great moment to me in like sort of subverting. And I don't know if he his intention was to do this or not Mignola. Yeah. But like we see more of this moment from a, a hero in a horror, in a horror setting of like them hiding. And then the villain like popping in and going, there you are. Yeah. And we're seeing it reversed here, which is fun because the monster's running from Hellboy and he hides. And then when he comes in, it's like on that must be your diet is that moment that like, you yeah. get in a horror movie. And I love like, ah! that it's reverse <gasps> our hero. It's so good. <laughs> and then, it. yeah, he's just like, yeah. And he's continuing the, he's continuing to recite poetry, the ghoul, um, the grave dread thing. You sick piece of crap. Whack. <laughs> um, we also have another poem going on exactly at the same time too, which yeah, is cited within at the, end. the, yeah, within the, um, uh, like the little letterbox kind of thing. Like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't even know what you, this is letterbox. Yeah. yeah. That's what it, um, it's what just not it? a speech bubble. It's not like the ghoul saying it, it yeah. might be the ghoul thinking it. Um, or it just being recited. It feels very abstract and like taking place above the piece is what I take away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Mignola continuing to speak on what's happening. Yeah. Um, and Hellboy is telling him, you know, you're worse than a cannibal. And then he continues to recite poetry. Um, yeah, just a more kind of like, Just things about mourning, things about death. Yeah. Um, Talking about now talking about like Romeo and Juliet. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I read this poetry. The poem poem references Romeo Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, for sure. I'm a person that I think I can. I don't read poetry enough that my brain can click into it quick enough. Yeah. Divine melpamine. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, 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 you know. I mean, I love the words in this poem. I love it. Divine, melopamine, sweet, 
uh, uh, pity's nurse queen of the stately step in flowing pale. Now let Momina mourn with streaming eyes incestu- incestuous and polluted love. It's just like... Yeah. Oh, so I guess, I mean, Malpamine is a is a muse, like in Greek... Oh. Trage- like a, the muse of Greek tragedy. So it's all just very like this ghoul is like a goth kid. He's just reciting poems (laughs) that are really sad, even though he's doing terrible things. Yeah, he's doing fucked up shit. You know, in his mind, what he's doing is like fine, I guess. Um, I mean, he just wants to live forever. Yeah, he just wants to eat people and live for a long time. Uh, I do love in between this, 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 this page that has like the tombs i think the tomb shots and like the it's pretty the, the one panel with the woman in the in the like a grave holding the cross all of this is just yeah contrast wise with what's the action that's taking place is very cool yeah and this it's such a wild um like just like re-looking at it now like now let's have julia in the gaping tomb print the last kiss and then a panel of a, a presumably a freshly buried woman. Yeah, it's bones. And then a yeah, a close-up panel of like a knee joint. Yeah. Kind of like unfurled like there or like there's cloth around it but there's no skin anymore. And then yeah. the last panel on her Romeo's lips as like the ghoul's mouth is just like like his lipless mouth is just this like gaping jaw. Yeah. It's a great placement um, of that poem, at least. Even if you're not like, I know what this poem's about. It's like the words trigger very well with the images. Yeah, it's cool. And then Hellboy gives him a quit that and boom. Boom, like, we haven't him. had a boom in a while. Yeah, a <laughs> bunch of booms here. He's just laying into this guy at this point. Hell yeah, plummeted him. Yeah, and he's just, you know, continuing to recite despite being, getting the shit beat out of him. Um, makes one's blood run chill. You're going to have to start fighting back, Ed. I've never, uh, I've never yet brought one of you guys in alive. So like (laughs) kind of threatening him being like, Hellboy's familiar with this kind of ghoul, I guess he's seen them before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's just continuing to let Hellboy beat the shit out of him. Maybe he's ready to die at this point and just needed, yeah, he's not fighting back at all. So I guess. He just needed Hellboy. He like expected Hellboy or somebody to come along and or I just stop think him. He, yeah, I, th- I don't know if it's like in a sense of like, I don't get the feeling that he expected Hellboy specifically, but I think you're right. And like he, uh, somebody that's doing this for so long is eventually probably going like, just waiting for the day that like, this is never going to last forever. Right. You've been evading death for this long and like you're doing it in this really despicable way. Mm-hmm. That's pretty disgusting that's become like routine for you uh but like every like it seems like he still glorifies death and like romanticizes it by for by sure. reciting these beautiful poems about it like he wants to die maybe at this point because he's let he's letting it happen yeah he's just letting it happen he's like there's literally nothing I falling can do. backwards and like taking off his clothes and falling backwards into a grave yeah I- um, his actions definitely speak of someone who's ready to die. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's just. I like the boom succumbing to it that comes not from Hellboy's hits. Yeah, but the boom that's in red. Well, when the ghoul falls in the grave, yeah. that's very cool. That's a great. I mean, this page is really cool. Yeah, this um, whole thing's gorgeous. Yeah, my drooping temples bathe in opiate dews. My senses lead, like you know, lead through flowery paths of joy. So. 
Yeah, he's kind of accepting dying. I think you're right. And then saying, the ghoul says Hamlet, and then it cuts back to the TV, the program, the portion that Mignola referenced in his foreword of this comic, where he's talking about, like, where's Polonius, and he's at supper, but it's not where he eats. It's, you know, Polonius is supper, basically. He's Mm -hmm. getting eaten. And then it's Hamlet's part about how whether you're a, a... king or a beggar you're all maggot food at the end of the day (laughs) and so a beggar might eat a king because he used the maggot to catch a fish to you know to fill his stomach and so he's kind of like talking about that how basically like we're all worm food and (laughs) you know so no one person is better than another basically um Although Hamlet's dad does say, what does that, uh, what dost thou mean? And he says nothing. So like Hamlet's really emotional in this uh, play. He's like a dark kid. He's got like bad, like bad shit has been happening. He's like, he's a, he's a goth kid too. (laughs) He's like, it doesn't mean anything. Like we're all warm food. Nothing has meaning. Nothing is, you know. It all means nothing. So where is Polonius? In heaven. Send thither to see. As he's talking to his dad, if you're a messenger, find him not there. Seek him in the other place yourself. So if you don't find him in heaven, you know where to fucking look. <laughs> um, and then cuts to Hellboy. I love the little television. I think it looks really cool. I do too. I love the like colors that they've used to like differentiate between. The night um, sky, the, the yeah, screen. So cool. Yeah, the orange like popping against this like blue. And then... Mignolo is just like, I'll save you a trip to the library. Here's what this is. The heartfelt rantings (laughs) of the ghoul are taken from two poems, The Pleasures of Melancholy by Thomas Wharton the Younger and The Grave by Robert Blair. The television program is apparently a puppet theater production of William Shakespeare's Hamlet. Uh, Then his like panel, The End, rest in peace with a little like trumpeting cherub. I think this is very funny that he... At the end, it's very clear on what the poems are, but he's like, apparently this thing is a puppet. Like, he's almost uncertain. That- yeah, like uh, like he stumbled upon this yeah. instead of drawing it and, you know. Which is either that or he's just making it like, oh, I think it looks like it's a puppet show, not um, in the way I drew it. Yeah. And maybe it's a second thought. Or, so I recently have been, like, just listening to old interviews with Mignola just for fun because I was like, I don't want to listen to actors for a while because... They depressed me about my own acting career. <laughs> and or and I just I just was like, I think I need to go to another source of of creative input yeah. versus just the people I want to like the careers I want. Yeah. Is really that's the reality. Cool. That's a good thing. That's and that we have this good. show, of course. It's refreshing. It is very refreshing. And he talked about how he would just sit he his his sort of like his work area is where he would do most of his drawings. I don't know if it still is this way, but he'd have like tables full of like all his sources yeah. of like um, Charles Dickens movies that he liked and and Shakespeare and so forth. And I am I don't know if other things were running during it, but I almost feel like it could have been in a, in a world that he might have just been like watching some old theater while working and he came across a a Shakespearean puppet show and plugged it in. Cause it's, I mean, I I didn't really articulate his, what his like environment the best I could, but cause he says it in his own words and interviews about his workstation, but it's very fun that he was just like, 
He loved the idea, like watching Dickens while he works, and he while he's working, he can reach up and look at that that world That's and cool. that high language in the goth. So, yeah, yeah. I bet it's inspiring for him because I mean, as we've kind of said before, like Hellboy feels like him to me. Like yeah. it's very much him speaking, but he does still love that kind of stuff and it's that like that's why this world is set in a place that's has that kind of gravity and weight to everything it's uh, i don't know how i, I like feel it more reading it the second time yeah i think the rereading is it made the ghoul better yeah but at the same time i'm like oh i get why people might shy away from it yeah or just like not give it to so much thought it's just a very like melancholy kind of a story where Hellboy is not, you know, he's punching, but it's not, it's not like full splash pages of him beating the shit out of the school. Mm -hmm. It's like a couple smaller panels of him being like, you're fucked up Mm -hmm. and kind of knocking him around. But it's, you're watching, you're not watching like a fight. You're watching Hellboy just beat the shit out of something. That's like this wretched creature that wants to die. Yeah, I agree. And I think sometimes somebody recently, and it might have been Will Hines, who was a prior guest to us for us on yeah. the show, talked about how like the best way to read a novel. And I stole this from him just because it was like, oh, I realized this is the only way I can really enjoy reading is. Or like when I find myself not enjoying something, it's because I'm trying too hard to understand every word. Yeah. And then eventually I just have to give in and be like, OK, you know what? I can get the base, the surface story later on. I can digest the rest. Does that make sense? Like with Dune, that's very helpful. Dune, I like. I feel like if I go through Dune and read those thick those books, like yeah, trying to understand every single nuance, I'm gonna never get through the book. And right. I, and also, I'm gonna I'm gonna hate myself because some of it I'm not gonna get. That's just a good general philosophy <laughs> of like give yourself a break and just you're not gonna be perfect at everything you do the second you do it. Like yeah, you know. I don't know. That's, and I think, that's why I don't draw shit. Like I get be, you know, you just end up like beating yourself up and overanalyzing and then you never do anything. Yeah. No, we have to get over that. Bad. We need to work with you on that. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I got to pay somebody 60 bucks an hour or something to figure that shit out. For sure. But, but we all do. But yeah. the ghoul I think is interesting because to me it's like, I have to sort of like, I think there's a, a, a very simple Hellboy story in there. Yeah. He just is now adding what things he loves and sort of, these layers that if I take the, if I go, oh, I don't get this poem, I'm going to get, I get frustrated. It's more about yeah, my I agree. frustration on myself versus my frustration on the story. Yes. Yeah. Cause it makes me want to just like ask him and get the answer, but there is no like definitive answer. It's like, well, this creature is like a ungodly cannibalistic, essentially creature that, is just like wretched and and gives into dying at this point after fighting really hard and going through such great despicable lengths to stay alive for longer than an average human. I don't know whether he started as a human, but it's like kind of implied. I think that it's like, Oh, you've done these things to stay alive. How long have you been doing this for? Like, and he gives in uh, just accepting death the way that you're totally right about Hamlet. Like, Hamlet kind of accepts death as, you know, it's like your life. 
I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it says about life, but it's like about accepting death, I guess. I think you're right about that. And I think I, I pounded myself on the head, like trying to understand like all the connections to the poems. I mean, so did I. The first time I read it, I I, like, I'm literally I... like putting these, I'm like slightly putting it together now as we're reading it the <laughs> second time. That's why I'm like literally like going over the dialogue again where it's like, wait a minute. Okay. I, th- I feel like I have a better grasp and then on there, it. There's a part of me that goes, just let it go. Yeah. And there's, and there's almost like, and maybe this isn't correct interpretation, but in a sense of what you're saying, just having to like, in the sense, all that Hamlet in, in is saying is that we all eventually die. There's no, yeah. there's no way of avoiding it. Yeah. And this greater creature, the ghoul happens to be like, maybe live for centuries. Yeah. Still is going to eventually meet death, and we're and that's the story right, we're it's watching. Like, what are you putting it off for at this? So point? So it's really not this. I don't have to, to live look this into wretched it. life. Yeah, and I don't have to look into it any think that's deeper a wrong than interpretation that. at all. And that I think maybe right. just the fun of it, instead of even a grander connection to Hamlet, other than that he's just dealing with what we all deal with, which is death. Yeah, it just happens to be maybe the last thing playing on this ghouls. Wife's television. That's the, yeah. the simplest connection is they, with his wife of current modern time in 1992, this is what they watched together. So it's just the last words he left with, you know yeah. what I mean? Along with his poetry. And sometimes I'm like, I think I just got to like take the simple, the simple connection versus yeah. like, what's the deeper thing? And sometimes I'm like, I don't get the deeper thing. I'm just going to admit it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've seen plenty of movies that's that I have fine, to do though. that. Or you can, I feel like there's a, like you have an understanding of it that's, beyond um like sometimes you can't articulate your level of understanding like sometimes you can just enjoy something and you're just not even sure why like there's not not everybody's a fucking like literary uh like 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 not everybody's a literary expert where you you know how to interpret every single thing and you know how to like you know the intention of the author at every turn like I, I think he's deliberately Mignol is deliberately leaving it a little um, vague so that you can interpret it in a, in a, in a way that you want. And I that's what right. makes people connect with it so much because so much of it is their input. It's like your own mental input and what you take away from this comic. Cause there is room, like it's beautiful to look at and then there's room for interpretation on shit. Yeah, I would agree. It's like part of what makes it so good. If anything, I would say the only thing that like hurts my brain with this story, yeah, is that we have the simple story of Hellboy after the school. Then we're on top, and in addition to that, we have Hamlet running. So we have to clock that. Then we have his poetry, the Ghouls. Yeah. Then we have a poem which sort of is an abstract and lifted above. In the middle of it, just lifted above. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like almost, it's like the first time in a long. It feels like class. The, yeah, yeah. It feels like the first time in in Mignola's and everything we've read at this point, where I feel like things are clashing or like there's a lot on the. I it's, can see that it's the most dense he's been. Yeah, in some sense. Yeah, yeah. And it's maybe our brains are just weren't ready for it. Yeah, because sometimes <laughs> I like he'll he throw did. in references that are just purely visual. Like he'll throw in like mm-hmm. he'll throw in like some bas relief sculpture that's in the fucking walls of a tomb and then you're just like you either get that reference or you don't and there's not much that you have to like you don't have to think about it as much because you're not reading the words but I feel like when you're reading it it feels like it feels like oh there's there is this this has immediate meaning to me but I just don't or I know that this has meaning but I just don't know what it is yeah totally it's just more noticeable, I think, than than like His other. certain sculptures or like, yeah. Or even just like 
different yeah visual references or maybe just like if he draws a rune or something sometimes i just i for that it's so beyond me that i just take it at face value and i'm like well it's magic yeah but for words you know i can fucking read so i (laughs) feel like i should be able to like interpret meaning from it and sometimes it's (laughs) sometimes it's just it's like you said just take you know you got to take it for what, uh, whatever your experience. Eke out too. your own understanding of it, kind of. I think you're right. Eke it out because like we're all come from different experiences and knowledge of whatever the material itself or just your life experience in that general sense. Yeah. So take for whatever it's worth. I think it's a very interesting story and I don't, I mean, uh, I think when I first read it, I was like, oh, I, I kind of get why this wouldn't be on any top list. But then rereading it as well, yeah. I'm like, oh, this this fits in with all the rest of his stories. It yeah, just has, it's, it's he just decided fits. to include poetry. Yeah. <laughs> and it gives a weird, creepy element to his monster. The one, a monster who recites poetry is creepy. It is creepy. And he, just a monster who thinks about death too. Like he's, he's done this horrible shit, but he still is like intellectual and like has his fucking, like has his, uh, mental capacity to like understand what he's doing is bad. That does make him worse. Like, you know, you know, you're doing this horrible shit to stay alive and you just think about it all the time. And like, what kind of existence is that? Totally. It's cool. I like that. Um, any favorite panels or dialogue? Um, I really like the, honestly, the very first panel, the outdoor shot of the woman's apartment. And I also love, like this first page I think is so great. Like I love this design of Hamlet and his father, his father's ghost. <laughs> the skull on the TV is yeah, great. Yeah, it looks fucking cool. I think those are probably my favorite here. That's great. I really like this like really pitted bone. This like kind of deteriorated sort of bone that he draws on 260. Uh, like that kneecap. Yeah, it's. I think that looks cool. It's great, and it's, it definitely that's his part of his his uh, masterful touch of like using panels to really create environment in that tone. Yeah, and the mood of the whole piece. I love it. I think I'm gonna go. My favorite, weirdly, I really like. For some reason, these stand out. The the wife, when she's like the close up of the wife on the second page of Oh Yes, Come In, Dear. I don't know why. I just love the. In his minimalist details of her face. I really like that. Yeah. And I really like the panel where she's looking over the pictures and she asks, is it a picnic? Something like that. I just, I don't know why those panels just really stand out They're to cool, me. yeah. They're pushing the story forward. They look pretty. Uh, it gets, it's like right before we get aiming at it. It's like getting us geared up and excited for like, ooh, what's Hellboy yeah, dealing with? Yeah, this is creepy. <laughs> I really love that. But yeah, it's really an interesting piece. And I love, I mean, I did like, is it part of your diet? I think that's great. Dialogue. Yeah. Must be your diet. Yeah. Dialogue. I think that's just, I love that he, you know, there is a poetry as much as we look at these other grand older pieces and we sort of tack the, the, they give the title of poetry, right? It's like what we know poetry to be, but there is a poetry of the, the minimalist language of Hellboy. I think. Oh yeah. So, and he's not always just saying the same thing. It's, but it's great to hear what he has to say. And it's always funny. Like must be your diet. Yeah. (laughs) It's great. So fun. 
I love it. I think it's, yeah, it's definitely a, a good little read. Based on just this short story, The Ghoul, um, do you have anything that you would like to suggest to our listeners to read, watch, or enjoy that is inspired possibly by The Ghoul? Um, I guess like any kind of Shakespearean thing, I'm trying to think of like what, God, this is like going back to high school. I like really, <laughs> it's been so long. Have you seen Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead? I've seen the stage play of it. I've never seen the That's movie fun. with Dreyfus. Yeah. Um, I but I really liking enjoyed it. It's it was been really cool. Over a decade since I've seen it. I would probably go back and watch it. That's like my own homework. Because it's, it's Tom St- Stoppard who wrote it, and it's about the two characters, who are like very small random yeah. side characters in Hamlet, right? Yeah. And it's their recounting it's like of silly. the- Yeah, it's very fun. Yeah. I remember seeing it in Utah at uh, the Pioneer Theater in Utah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest, because I love this timelessness of this ghoul, somebody living centuries and still death is approaching. Yeah. I think Interview with the Vampires is something you should revisit. I think that's a great. Of I like, like that movie, dude. I do too. I think it's great. I think the cast is awesome, and but that is like an, a representation of monsters that are, in a sense, going to live forever. But they sort of always have death knocking on their door at all moments. Yeah, uh, which is, and they live, they live with death, and I think that's fascinating. And that's the sense maybe with this ghoul is he, he's a uh, creature who lives with death on the constant because he has to feed or do whatever he was going to do with that body yeah. in order to live forever. So you're living with death. So I think that I was trying to think of another, like somebody that lives in that, t- the, the, or a reference. The only one that's come to mind. And if you, if you have read it, I I'm assuming a lot of our listeners have read this. Maybe you have too, Kate. Um, I love Mark Miller's old man, Logan. They've, I haven't read it. No, it's so good. It's they jump back in time, uh, or not back in time. Excuse me. They jump into the future of the Marvel universe, and all the heroes are dead. America's pretty much run by supervillains. And old man Logan, he's just beat up, yeah. defeated, and but he won't even. He won't even. You'll find out why in the book. I don't want to spoil for you, but he won't. He won't bring his blades out, and it's great. And then there's it's a whole adventure. It's like good Mark Miller, yeah. Not over the top Mark Miller that I he can get into. He can swing into a a range that I don't enjoy. Yeah, but that one is a great. And then they like expanded on it in the other comics, and they brought him, the old man Logan back, and he's like, it looks very. But cool. the original one with Mark Miller is the is, movie Logan. A lot of it based on this, or yes and no. Oh, okay, it's I would it's vaguely it's very like aspects. Of it's it. like oh, we love the old man. We love the idea of an old man Logan. Yeah. Would it be cool if Hugh Jackman played an old man Logan? Yeah, but he just has gray in his hair. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it's a different movie. It, yeah. They're different stories in a sense. They hint it a little bit. They do hint at things that possibly are from old man Logan. Yeah. Like the how the heroes are all dead, but they don't really touch on Reveal it. Reveal that. Yeah. It looks cool. But it's a great read, great art. Um, that's my suggestions. Any other thing Sweet. on your side? Um, Beyond the Shakespeare, or is that it? Which is fine. <sighs> I think that's I think that's it. Great, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we want to hear from you. Uh, tell us your thoughts about the ghoul, um, especially since it's one that Mignola says it's not on people's lists of their favorite stories. He thinks it's uh, the one of the weirder of his stories. We seem to have come around on it just in revisiting it. In a sense, uh, we'd love to hear. And I say come around it. I wasn't really. I never hated it, but it definitely was a a in a. 
a difficult, more of a difficult read than his usually is. It's very thinky. Very thinky. Hurt my brain. Yeah. Uh, so we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can email us at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. Then also you can follow us on Instagram. That's awcrapahellboypodcast. Twitter, awcraphellboy. And you can subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, please. Um, also rate and review us if they have that option. But if you do it on Apple Podcasts and you give us a five-star rating and your review starts with the word boom, we will read your review right here on the show and give you a big old shout out. Yeah. That is a five-star rating starting with the word boom in your review <laughs> on Apple Podcasts. We love them. Um, but before we check out of here and, and until next week, we got to give our listeners a little <laughs> prompt of hashtag right hand of draw. Yeah. So we were talking about Vincent Price for half a second earlier. So, uh, yeah, okay. So if Vincent Price was to direct a Hellboy movie, like Ooh. if it's like a black and white sort of image of of like what the character might look like or like in that kind of style. I love it. Yeah. Vincent Price Hellboy. Yeah. God, what an interesting thing that would be. Spooky. Love it. Love it. That is a great prompt. And remember, if you do um, participate in doing any of the hashtag right hand of draws, that includes this week's, as well as, hell, if you want to do any of the past ones, do them at any time. Yeah. Um, just remember to, when you post it on Instagram to use the, t- uh, the hashtag right hand of draw, tag us at Ocrap, a Hellboy podcast. That just allows us to quickly find it, see it, praise it, and then repost it on our feed. So in the hopes that more people follow you and when you become huge and big, we can always look back on, hey, we, we saw <laughs> we him first. We back then. Because <laughs> uh, that's all we hope for. We hope you get more, we hope you get more followers yeah. and fans of your art off of our feed. Hell yeah. But that is it for this week's episode of the your favorite uh, crappers <laughs> 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 or Hellcasters. Uh, But we'll be back next week with more Hellboy fun. Thank you again for listening. We really appreciate it. And remember, we love you. The simplicity be the (laughs) simple. I'm going to be editing this one. Hey, do you like comic books? Do you like brothers? Do you like brothers talking about comic books? You do. Okay, then. Listen to this ad. My name's Will Hines. And I'm Kevin Hines. We are brothers as well as comedians. As well as huge fans of comic books. Like the Fantastic Four, which we are talking about a lot right now in our podcast, which is called... Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. From Campfire Media, available from now until the end of time. (laughs) Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. Campfire.